Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. An Erio's original... I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're going to be talking about the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. This was actually suggested to us by a listener who said this particular topic had been plaguing her family for a while. Here's what Kira Rasmussen had to say. I'd like for you to do the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I'm Japanese American, so I've had debates with my family about this. Who was to blame for the dropping of the bomb? I argue that it was the Japanese's fault, but some members of my family put sole blame on the U.S. Don't get me wrong, it was definitely the U.S.'s decision for the uh, dropping of the bombs, but I argue that with without some show of massive power, the Japanese would never have surrendered, which is probably why the Allies decided on two bombs and not just one. Because of the Japanese concept of honor and their lingering teachings of Bushido— Their national pride would never have allowed them to surrender amicably. 
The war in Europe was pretty much over, so they didn't really have any allies, and they had made enemies of all of their surrounding countries by conquering them and essentially raping the continent. Japan was a small island country that was on a mission to conquer everything surrounding them and tortured everyone that got in their way. So I'll leave you guys to decide the blame. Bushido, toxic masculinity, Emperor Hirohito, Truman, Hitler. So thank you so much, Kiri, for this uh, suggestion. Now, I just want to do a quick warning. This is a particularly tough tragedy. So warning, listener discretion is definitely advised. Here's what you need to know. On December 11, 1941, four days after the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, the United States entered World War II. In January 1942, President Franklin D. Roosevelt approved funding for the Manhattan Project, a secret program with orders to build and test an atomic bomb. Led by J. Robert Oppenheimer, the building of the bomb was said to have been in case the U.S. government needed it against Nazi Germany. The Manhattan Project was shrouded in secrecy despite over 100,000 people said to be working on it. This is the darkness of a desert morning. And here in New Mexico, a group of men wait tensely, expectantly. Behind them, three unbroken years of work. Work done in unprecedented secrecy. On April of 1945, the sudden death of FDR leaves Vice President Harry Truman in charge of a country in the middle of a war and a weapon of unprecedented mass destruction. In May of 1945, the war ends in Europe after Germany surrenders. A few months later, in July, the U.S. detonates the world's first atomic bomb at a test site near Los Alamos, New Mexico. The explosion was about four times stronger than anticipated, but it demonstrated that the bomb design would work. Ten days after the testing, President Truman issued the Potsdam Declaration, which called for Japan to unconditionally surrender or else face prompt and utter destruction. There can be no peace in the world until the military power of Japan is destroyed. We have no desire or intention to destroy or enslave the Japanese people, but only surrender can prevent the kind of ruin which they have seen come to Germany as a result of continued useless resistance. Japan ignored this demand, and the war continued, until the U.S. dropped the world's first atomic bomb. On August 6, 1945, a bomb named Little Boy is released on the Japanese city of Hiroshima. The bomb explodes 2,000 feet above ground, killing 80,000 people instantly. According to the National Park Service website, the temperature near the blast site reached 5,400 degrees Fahrenheit. The sky seemed to explode. Birds ignited in midair, and asphalt boiled. People over two miles away burst into crumbling cinders. Others had raw skin hanging in flaps. Badly burnt bodies scattered the destroyed streets. Children were left orphaned. Families were torn apart in a matter of seconds. Hiroshima was absolutely destroyed. Approximately 80,000 people were killed as a direct result of the blast, and another 35,000 were injured. 
at least another 60,000 people would be dead by the end of the year from the effects of the atomic fallout. Three days after that, on August 9th, Americans dropped another atomic bomb, nicknamed Fat Man, over Nagasaki, Japan. This time, it exploded 1,550 feet above the ground, and it's estimated that more than 40,000 people were killed immediately. On August 15, 1945, Japan surrendered. World War II was over. We knew the world would not be the same. Few people laughed. Few people cried. Most people were silent. I remembered the line from the Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. I suppose we all thought that one way or another. Fun facts, a.k.a. death stats. One of the main arguments for the use of the bomb by U.S. officials is that it would force Japan to surrender unconditionally. The Hiroshima atomic bomb Little Boy was made of highly enriched uranium, while the Nagasaki atomic bomb Fat Man was made of plutonium. The U.S. government did not give the Japanese any warning about the atomic bombs. At the time of the bombing, Hiroshima was home to 280,000 civilians as well as 43,000 soldiers. The bomb detonated directly above the city's hospital. Because of this, most of the city's medical professionals perished. This made the aftermath more difficult because there weren't any medical professionals to take care of the wounded. The U.S. Department of Energy has estimated that after five years, there were perhaps 200,000 more fatalities as a result of the bombing. Prior to August 9th, Nagasaki had been the target of small-scale bombings by the United States. Though the damage from these bombings was relatively small, it created a considerable concern in Nagasaki, and many people were evacuated to rural areas for safety, thus reducing the population in the city at the time of the nuclear attack. Total deaths in Nagasaki by the end of 1945 may have reached 80,000 people. Between both bombings, it's believed that the total deaths estimated were over 310,000 people. Okay, so with us today, we are uh, lucky to have the great Aaron Gibson. Thank you, Aaron, for joining Yay. us on this very difficult subject. Very difficult. Very. Not for me personally. I didn't experience it. <laughs> no. Too young. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Too young. And of course, we have our uh, producer, Amanda Lund. Hello, everyone. And fact checker, Chris Smith. I currently have eight tabs open on my computer. <laughs> wow. I have to say, what a coincidence to ask me to come on this show, because I have been going back and forth from California to New Mexico. And one day I thought, hey, it's hailing. Why don't I drive to Los Alamos and check out the Bradbury Science Museum? And I did that. I thought it was Ray Bradbury. I'm going to be very honest. I thought it was the Ray Bradbury Museum. Oh. And then I realized it's just another guy named Bradbury. You thought you were going there oh. for science fiction. Yeah. Huge mistake. And Went then you realize that actual... truth is much stranger than fiction. <laughs> now, if you don't know this about this the this part of New Mexico, it's very liberal. I would say Santa Cruzian oh, wow. in its attitude. And so the, while the museum was kind of uh, dry, slanting towards, can you believe how great America was? We built this thing. There was one little corner that was built by this, um, I think it's Los Alamos Organization for Peace or something like that, eradicating everything that was... <laughs> 
that was said that was pro-bomb in the museum. So oh, hoping wow. you just didn't go to that little corner. But one of the things that they said in the Peace Corner, they talked about the fatalities in the U.S. from building the bomb. <gasps> because oh, wow. there were about 100,000 people who died from radiation poisoning. What? And not just the people who d- worked directly on the bomb, but the people who transported <gasps> these materials the gas station attendants who filled up the trucks with these materials, anybody who was in the path of these things, people who were by uh, detonation sites who were blinded. Makes my skin crawl that we don't know about these 100,000 deaths. Can you imagine? Also, not just the fact, not the people who were directly even related to the building of it, but their genetic material was so fucked up from being in (laughs) such close proximity. There were generations of children born with cancer. I mean, not to make it all like American centric, there was tragedy that we unleashed on Japan, but we unleashed it on our own people too. Right. Mm. What, 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 do you, what do we do here? We what dive do we do? in. We start <laughs> blaming we to, people. We, start, we need who to blame is people. To blame? Yes. I, I feel like we need to talk about President Truman. First of all, this sliding doors thing, which I'm fascinated with, he wouldn't have even been the president, you know, had FDR. I guess, survived his fourth term. <laughs> so FDR dies and Truman comes into power. According to CNS, Truman stressed the necessity of the decision, uh, referencing how the U.S. had been shot in the back in the Pearl Harbor attack by Japan and saying that the decision to use the two nuclear bombs saved the lives of 250,000 Allied troops and 250,000 Japanese by helping to prevent an invasion. So this is the big argument that was made by Truman and his people. As the executive who ordered the dropping of the bomb, it's, uh, I think, the sacrifice of Hiroshima and Nagasaki uh, was urgent and necessary for the prospective welfare of both Japan and the Allies. This is a quote from Truman. Of course, the National Park Services puts it, uh, it gives us another quote, uh, President Truman had four options. Number one, continue conventional bombing of Japanese cities, which they were already doing. Number two, invade Japan. Number three, demonstrate the bomb on an unpopulated island. Or number four, drop the bomb on an inhabited Japanese city. Now, regarding these options. Number one, they had already been bombing Japan, and despite heavy losses, there was no sign of them surrendering. And, quote, an estimated 330 3,000 Japanese people were killed and 473,000 more were wounded in air raids. So the loss of life was already incredibly high. Truman and his advisors decided option two would lead to too many American casualties. Number two is invade Japan. Number three, option three, there was only two bombs. So what if it this was a, a waste of one, right? If they dropped it on a uninhabited mi- yeah, island. island. Or what if uh, it was a dud? Which they had already done in America. Well, they had already tested it. Yeah. So they knew it would work. So Truman had formed the interim committee, which is a committee advised to the president about the matters pertaining to the use of nuclear energy and weapons. And the committee's first priority was to advise on the use of the atomic bomb. After pro- a prolonged debate, the president decide, uh, received the committee's historic conclusion, quote, we can propose no technical demonstration likely to bring an end to the war. We can see no acceptable alternative to direct military use. Option four, he and his advisors decided this was the only way. So they basically, the committee came to that conclusion because number three, like they, they decided against just a show of force in a way on, on an island. Well, they were afraid that it wouldn't stop the bloodshed, well, that Japan is, wouldn't back down. That's what I'm this saying. This is the big 
question, right? Did they actually think that, that they really needed to use the force in order for Japan to surrender? Or did they want to cause a big spectacle? This is the big question. Wasn't FDR's big quote, speak softly and show them how big your dick is? (laughs) I feel like really? I know. But what wouldn't be scary about that? I mean, when people saw it in the US, the, the test sites, there's a story at this at the Bradbury Museum, not Ray Bradbury, that this kid saw it and he his mom thought that she was seeing God because they had no context for what they were right. seeing. So just the sheer confusion of what the fuck is this thing, I I don't th- I don't buy that number three wasn't a viable option of just being like this is what we have. Also, the possibility they deployed and this is after they dropped the bomb. They deployed the Atomic Bomb Casualty Commission, which is they sent in basically researchers to study the effects of the bomb on the citizens. Yeah, really and, gross. Which that, is that's horrifying. But I think that you wonder if that was part of the calculation. It's like, well, if we explode the bomb on nobody, what are we really going? We're not to learning. They wanted to see what their shit would do yeah exactly. they built this thing it's the it's the it's like timeout versus beating the shit out of your kids <laughs> <laughs> we could do the calm rational thing and be like oh well we have this well we have this belt we could just use it for our for our pants <laughs> and we could just tell our kid like hey the thing you did wasn't good or we could take the belt we could beat the shit out of our kid with it and they opted for that one the yeah. american solution right. Uh, right off the bat i think we got to put truman up there um i think we do need to put up his uh advisors i looked up the quote i think aaron was referencing which was um <laughs> speak softly and, and carry, carry a big, big stick, stick. Yeah. <laughs> and so um big stick this is according to wikipedia big stick ideology or big stick diplomacy was um president theodore roosevelt's foreign policy. So he described his foreign policy as, quote, the exercise of intelligent forethought and of decisive action sufficiently far in advance of any likely crisis. Um, It had five components. First, it was essential to possess serious military capability that would force the adversary to pay close attention. Anyway, the idea is negotiating peacefully, but also having strength in case things go wrong. Well, a big complaint was that FDR wasn't quick enough that he should have ended the war sooner. Right. But he not just to be clear, not with uh, the use of atomic weapons. No, he he didn't have. them. Although he was the the one who uh, went ahead and approved of the Manhattan Project. No, no, no. He approved the project, but they hadn't tested it. They didn't know that they could deploy it. No, they tested it after he died. So at the same time, this is a quote from uh, National Park Services. We got to think about like what's going on in Truman's head which we'll never know, but here's speculation. Quote, at the time, the president seemed conflicted over the decision. The day after Hiroshima bomb was dropped, Truman received a telegram from Senator Richard B. Russell of Georgia, encouraging the president to use as many atomic bombs as possible on Japan, claiming that the American people (laughs) believed that, quote, we should continue to strike the Japanese until they're brought groveling to their knees, end quote. Truman responded, quote, I know that Japan is a terribly cruel and uncivilized nation in warfare, but I can't bring myself to believe that because they're beasts, we should ourselves act in the same manner. That is so laced with racism. I know. And he goes, for myself, I certainly regret the necessity of wiping out whole populations because of their uh, pig-headedness of the leaders of a nation. And for your information, I'm not going to do it unless absolutely necessary. The U.S. is a real fucking hypocrite. Because what did we do the minute we, quote-unquote, discovered America? Oh. We were like, 
oh, look at these heathens. Look at these beasts. Look yeah. at these pig-headed people. And what did we do? We were like, fuck y'all. It's mine. Yeah, this is mine. So for us to then all of a sudden be like, we we don't do, we are we now treat beast people like very kind and we're, we don't want to wipe out the beast people. <laughs> I mean, the, also this, he's a terrible senator from Georgia. Should we put he's uh, still in Richard Russell? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just for being? I kind of want to blame Richard Russell. <laughs> Strom Thurmond's grant peepaw. <laughs> This is all laced with racism, obviously, which is definitely going to be one of the things that we are 100% going to put up on the board. Let's talk about Leslie Groves. Now, Groves is the lieutenant general and uh, of the United States, um, and he's overseeing the con- he oversaw the construction of the Pentagon and directed the Manhattan Project. According to Atomic Heritage websites, uh, Stimson, Henry Stimson says. Who was the Secretary of War? Are you saying Stimson? Stimson. S-T-I, like Simpson with the T? Yeah, okay. S-T-I-M-S-O-N. He's the Secretary of State. Okay. War. So, uh, oh, of war. Yeah. Secretary of War. Okay. Uh, appo- quote, appointed General Leslie Groves to oversee all the site planning, scientific research, and construction. His choice of Groves to lead the project ultimately proved of great importance as Groves' decisive, efficient, blunt manner and swiftly he swiftly moved the project towards completion in 1945. Like so, you don't even know you fucked up because you just feel his hand on the on your fucking cheek. <laughs> That's the kind of guy he is. You're like, what did I do? And he's like, you know what you did. <laughs> he's sort of, but he ushered in like the Manhattan Project to completion, basically. Like he, but he, his his fault and what we can put him up on the board for is mm-hmm. because he was just an effective. Uh, he was effective in he getting the nuclear job effectively in getting the nuclear bomb ready before the end of the war. Is well, that right? we could also say that he didn't take the proper precaution to really think and consider what atomic energy was going to number one how it was going to affect the american people right if you're creating an atomic bomb i don't know i feel like you should at least start a committee where it's like how, how's this atomic bomb gonna affect us or listen to your scientists who maybe know something about it i mean it does feel like nobody knew what the fuck they were doing no you know he's the guy in charge and he should like you said i think he should have been listening to his scientists which by the way the scientists were very concerned once they did uh once they did this uh, test, they were like, this is much bigger than we even thought. I'm pretty sure they wrote petitions to Truman uh, saying that th- we shouldn't detonate the bomb. Did they talk at all about that? Do you have this Oppenheimer no. quote? No, tell us. This is when he saw the detonation of the first nuclear weapon. He said, and this is a, this is a piece of Hindu scripture that he said out loud. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Oppenheimer that's what they he said this I mean he basically was like we just created a death machine yep I mean the high these guys must have been on but I Oppenheimer was from what I've read racked with riddled riddled with guilt riddled with guilt for the rest of his life because of Mm. this and I'm not sure any of these generals I'm sure they justified it as this is war this is what we do right but Oppenheimer even though he was integral in this building of this thing felt knew what he had he knew what he had done Mm, he's a dog who got in the trash yikes he knew what he did now groves is known to have wanted to bomb Kyoto, uh, a city that was revered as the country's ancient cultural hub but stimson said no so this guy's not a good guy 
is all I'm saying. No, and he, and also not to be, I know that this is a podcast, but when you have a chance, please look up him because they have massive cutouts of him at the Bradbury Science Museum, General Groves. He was a general, right? Uh, or, uh, I think. Or Lieutenant he, general, yeah. Lieutenant general, yeah. Of just looking so f- smug and proud. Ooh, and this guy's got a punchable face. Well, yeah. And this is the quote I found. Groves was known for his critical and stubborn attitude, egotism, intelligence, and drive to achieve his goals at all costs. I, but I bet he wasn't smart. I feel like people conflate guys like that. Comp- confidence with competence. Mm, I'm sure he just spoke with That's some... That's how I've been able to skate by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back checker. What is... <laughs> What is he checking? <laughs> it's true. Uh. He's on goop. <laughs> so we have the uh, Truman, the advisors, racism, which we'll come back to. But uh, Leslie Groove, Groves. Right. Um, I, do we need to put Oppenheimer while we're... I think we have to. We yeah. have to. I'm pulling this straight out of my vag, but I think he was a pacifist because he was deep into Hinduism and Buddhism. Oh, yeah. And he just was on the project because he was the smartest guy. He was the smartest guy in the room. Okay, so I think that they gathered a lot of... I think the science was going on in different parts of the world, and I think that you know what the Americans did was they tried to basically take whatever what was happening in Germany. They tried Uh to take stuff that was happening in different universities around the United States and kind of put it all together into a soup. I don't, I I, I have a hard time blaming one person for the scientific, for the sort of wave of science that was happening at the time. Uh Well, I know that the Nazis were working on an atomic bomb as well. That's why the Americans were like, we got to beat them to it. So what do you want to do here in terms of putting people on the board? Because... Well, I I mean, we need to talk about the Japanese emperor as well. Emperor Hirohito, according to history.com. Hirohito was emperor of Japan from 1926 until his death in 1989. He took over at a time of rising democratic sentiment, but his country soon turned toward ultra-nationalism and militarism. During World War II, Japan attacked nearly all of its Asian neighbors, allied itself with Nazi Germany, and launched surprise assault on the U.S. naval Pearl Harbor. Many scholars have come to believe that he played an active role in the war effort, which is like, obviously, he definitely. At the time, uh, Japan was an authoritarian, they they said it's an authoritarian system of quasi-absolute monarchy. That's what they were working with, uh, with a form of uh, liberal democracy. Now, of course, they have a constitutional monarchy in which the power of the emperor is limited and regulated primarily to ceremonial duties. But that didn't happen until the Constitution of Japan, which was adopted in 1947. Which a woman wrote from America. Really? Mm -hmm. Which is why there are many more women's rights uh, clauses in their constitution, because she pushed for those. Her name was Betty Sorota Gordon, who put all these um, feminist clauses in the Japanese constitution. We we shouldn't have to go to war and destroy a country to bring these things to bring into fruition <laughs> there's got to be a better way right but to get that th- message do you think that he thought hirohito thought that he was doing the right thing for his country he was expanding right he was he was doing what napoleon had done well, he was doing what okay. all oligarchs and people in absolute power have done including the united states and the people in charge um in our country have done for hundreds yes. of thousands of years Th- this is really interesting and i think it, it goes back 
all the way to World War One. And Chris, I know that you've done a little bit of research. On okay, these. yeah, because I, I, you're totally right. He, the Japanese felt that imperialism was happening all around them. Why can't we get in on it? They were sort of a growing power. Um, China was in sort of like a bit of a crippled state, like they were pretty weak at the time. What happened was Japan was gotten to a they were in a war with Russia in like 1904. They won it. Now they're on the world stage. We're one of the big boys, just like you. Then they get involved in World War One, and they get to go to the uh, Treaty of Versailles. They get a seat at the table, basically. It's them and sort of these well, they're, major they're powers. Well, they're part of the Allies. Because they join in on the Allies. They help out and do some fighting. They In the Treaty of Versailles, they have like one thing they want to be considered, which is this racial equality act where they are basically like all people are equal like include that in your treaty because they were basically thinking of like the expats from japan in other countries they wanted people to be they wanted their people to be treated like equals and they on a larger scale wanted the rest of the world to to treat them as equals which they kind of didn't they really didn't in their laws or in their culture um that was sort of rejected because it was sort of the scope of that statement was like a little too broad for these powers so it was sort of rejected it was too nice it was yeah it was like we can't do that in all too fairness cool. J- you know japan they, they were being racist against other people as well it's not sure. like there were these right. like okay. you know they were heroes, like oh you're korean like, no thanks yeah, yeah no they they were very racist against the chinese especially well, the chinese th- they're also a culture that they're on this island they really close themselves off from other cultures because of that they do there there is a history of their sort of feeling like they're the superior race okay so anyway they have this chip on their shoulder and then China's in this weakened state in the 30s, and then the Depression happens. They have an overpopulation problem, and they have a resource problem. There's not a lot of natural resource. So they go into China because they kind of have their eye on this sort of like imperialism thing. They're like, let me try this out. Like, So they go into China, into the Manchurian sort of peninsula yeah. or area or whatever. Mm-hmm. And from there, because they're expanding, they need more resources, so they continue their sort of expansion, which pisses us off because we're sort of buddies with China. We're like, don't go in there. You kind of can't go in there. Well, and it, then we cut off their oil supply, which was sort of what. Yes, we, we, the, that, that did happen. It wasn't just because we were like, oh, we're the imperialists. It was also because they were, you know, doing atrocities of their own, you know, to the Chinese people. Well, they were like, do you have facts on this? Because yes. they, they were, okay, I can't wait. <laughs> well, uh, okay, while I mean, he's can't emperor. Wait, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, uh, Jap- he's not a great guy. Let's just say it off the bat. Japan's conflict with China was growing in 1931. Japanese army officers initiated the so-called Manchurian incident by detonating a railway explosion and blaming it on Chinese bandits. They then used the event as an excuse to take over Manchuria in northeastern China and set up a puppet state there. Excursions into the areas of the country soon followed, and by 1937, war had broken out. That winter, the Japanese army massacred an estimate of of 200,000 civilians and prisoners of war in and around the city of Nanking. Rape is thought to have been commonplace, and women throughout Japanese-controlled regions of Asia were brought to serve as prostitutes. Hirohito uh, did not condone the invasion, invasions more repugnant aspects but perhaps because he was worried that the military would make him abdicate he failed to punish those responsible and he also sanctioned the use of chemical warfare and the uprooting of peasants Mm. there's a lot there 
Not a cool dude. <laughs> no, not by any, like, not a, a chill, laid back. Also, not doing anything about something makes you just as guilty just as, as bad. Especially, if you did it yourself. 100%. Especially if you're the emperor of, of Japan. It, it's so important. It was so important for Japan to maintain the emperor and their monarchy. This whole thing happened because they didn't want to let go of their monarch. They and should I, have had one of their sons marry an actress from Suits. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we need to put that up on the board too. There, there, this idea that the uh, monarch is so important because it is what kind of leads them to holding off in this treaty later on. Um, oh, the Potsdam Potsdam Treaty. Let's talk about this Potsdam Declaration. Potsdam is the the declaration they send after they do the test on the bomb. They're like, okay, it works. Now Truman's like, I want to use it. But you have, you know, he's like, let's do this declar, let's send them this declaration and give them this ultimatum. And they send it. But there's two changes that are made from uh, Stimson's original draft. So they exclude the Russians from this, this declaration. The Russians up to that point had been this, quote unquote, neutral force between Japan and the Allied forces. So they're the ones who are helping deal with the situation. And number two, they dropped the part of the draft that said that the Japanese could keep their emperor, which of course, as we know, was something that was really important to them. The document didn't include that they could have a constitutional monarch. Because of this, they did not respond to the declaration. The Japanese prime minister, Suzuki Kentaro, his response was, quote, kill it with silence. They didn't surrender. And now we're going to talk to Alex Wellerstein, a historian of science specializing in history of nuclear weapons and nuclear secrecy. He's also the author and host of the Nuclear Secrecy blog. We'll be talking to him about the Potsdam Declaration. So excited to have you on our show today. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> so we, we've talked a lot about the Potsdam uh, Declaration. What can you tell us about it? And do, and do you think that it was presented to the Japanese in good faith? It's a really interesting uh, document, and the process to draft it was very interesting. There were a lot of things going on. Uh, questions like, should the Russians be brought in on it? And the answer was, the Americans did not want to bring the Russians in, even though the Russians sort of wanted to be in on it, but they were still technically neutral uh, towards Japan. Um, there was a lot of discussion about whether they should modify the surrender demands to meet. Um, they knew that the Japanese uh, really wanted to maintain their emperor system and unconditional surrender sounded like it might mean getting rid of the emperor system. So there was a lot of discussion and urging of Truman and others to modify it, um, including by people like Winston Churchill and again, the secretary of war Stimson. Um, and uh, Truman did not want to do that. His secretary of state, uh, James Burns did not want to do that. So it's a complicated thing. Is it in good faith? I'm not sure any of them, I mean, I guess it depends what we mean by that. I don't think anybody thought that if you issued this statement, Japan was going to surrender. Mm. And so later they would say, well, we gave them this warning. There's a very oblique warning in there. Uh, it says, you know, if you do not surrender, you will suffer a reign of ruin, um, which doesn't say we have a new weapon. It doesn't clarify what's going to go on. It's, it's, it's a warning that at best only makes sense after the fact, which is not much of a warning. Um, but the idea is that 
they clearly saw the Potsdam Declaration as being something they would be able to point to later and say, well, we gave them a chance. We told them what the, what the conditions were, and uh, we gave them the option to end it right then, and they didn't do it. If it wasn't done in the sense of, I think, anybody thinking it would actually end the war, and in fact, there were some decisions made, like not modifying the emperor condition, that... Um, were almost guaranteed to prolong the war. Um, and the reason they did this was not because they necessarily wanted the war to be prolonged, but they did have a confidence that the war would be over soon anyway, um, either through the atomic bombs or through the Soviet Union invading, or even through the U.S. potentially starting to invade and things like that. But also, uh, there was a desire, certainly by Truman and, and Burns, that that total surrender, total abject uh, humiliation, that this was what Pearl Harbor called for, right? If the Japanese were going to have done something as, as awful as start a war unprovoked, uh, as they saw it, then they ought to have to suffer for it. And it's been a long debate. People have debated for decades whether or not the war could have been ended sooner if they had modified those conditions, I don't know what the answer is. There's probably there's no way to really know. It's not clear, but it's it's one of the key debates among about the end of World War II is, is on this very question. You can hear the full interview on Thursday's aftermath episode, and it's so good that it might even change our verdict. Now back to our conversation. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Alarmist. I think we should talk about this idea of Bushido, which was one of the things that the listener who recommended this particular tragedy said might Is this the shame aspect? Yes. Yeah. It's Japanese samurai heritage and the samurai code of ethics known as Bushido have a seductive appeal when searching for explanations for the wartime image of no surrender. The great classic of Bushido, Hagekur, written in the early 18th century, begins with the words, Bushido is a way of dying. Its basic thesis is that only a samurai prepared and willing to die at any moment can devote himself fully to his lord. Although the idea certainly appealed to the ideologues, what probably motivated Japanese soldiers at the time was a more basic, on a more basic level, were more mundane pressures. So Toxic masculinity. Yeah, I mean, that's going well, funny, funny you should mention. <laughs> Toxic masculinity now has been sent to jail twice. Twice. <laughs> twice. So um, it's a contender. It has to be. And we have to also just like war in general. Yeah. The, women wouldn't do shit like this. No, I know. Well, the, the fact that no women were doing, were making any of these decisions at the time. I think is one of the best cases for tax- toxic masculinity. Oh yeah, like there was there was no woman in power that was had even a, a say. I'm trying to think of a of a historical disaster that was by the hand hands of a woman i mean the they're, lizzie borden house no they're out there trust me they really are there we need power so we can show how monstrous we can be <laughs> for this particular tragedy it's like toxic masculinity of course but is there a more specific way to boil that down i mean it is it's war it's imperialism it's manifest destiny it's it's well, all of that it's the army it's it's any kind of institutionalized group that is going off to war your one thing is to do whatever it takes regardless of your life. I mean, we don't, there's no, there's actually no value, especially like if you look at the dollar amount that women, that survivors get, uh, like spouses get when their spouses die in war, it's like $25,000. You're, you're worth nothing dead. You're only worth something if you're a fighting machine, if you're a Terminator Uh, coming out of the lava or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so, so what are we going to call, is it like, I have a pitch, men, men and war, army tude, Army dude. I like Amanda's idea of manifest destiny because to me, manifest destiny was is linked to the Manhattan Project as well. It's like mm-hmm. we. I keep thinking of the <laughs> um, in Jurassic Park. Jeff Goldblum says you were so obsessed with uh, if you could do it, you didn't stop to think if you should uh-huh, or something like uh-huh. that. Whatever that quote is. Yes. So that idea of manifest destiny is like we want it because we want it. And and that to me corresponds also to Japan's like thirst for imperialism. It's like they want to expand because they want to expand. One hundred percent. But how does that make it male? Is it FOMO? <laughs> what if we say ma- man is right in manifest destiny? Man, man, <laughs> manifest destiny. Dash, if that's destiny, that that makes me feel better. <laughs> no, of course it definitely you know was in the case of Japan and in the case of of the Americans it was. Something that they could have maybe had tea over and discussed. But here's the thing. As Americans, if we're going to be like morally superior about everything, shouldn't we have known they were going to lose? And all we had to do was not even risk more lives, just keep bombing them. And if they don't, if their aircraft is all grounded and all we have to do is just pummel them into the ground, 
more, I mean, there would still be casualties, but it would not be on such a grand scale as it was. This is exactly what uh, a lot of people argue. Japan was going to fail. They they were going to lose the war regardless. They weren't going to win. So what Truman wanted to do was make it end quicker. And that's what it all boiled down to. And a lot of that has to do with him not wanting to do what FDR was doing, which was letting it go on. Um, he FDR also didn't even join the war until they, we were attacked by Pearl Harbor. So even though the war had already been going and all of these atrocities were happening. Well, we should happening we actually should have been involved more more sooner which is not what i meant to say but i'm going with it yeah sooner that's what i'm saying we should have been involved as soon as we found out that there were people in concentration camps we should have been involved it shouldn't have even gotten to that of point of course and so it's like the lack of action so truman was like i'm gonna take action but before i think we should put fdr on there is he on there Let's because because he didn't do his speak softly and carry his put your, <laughs> stick your dick out be, which he, he should have done dick out Oh, a bunch of Jews are dying and you don't care? That's fucked up, man. And because you didn't get involved and you didn't say, hey, what you're doing is wrong and you can't not you can't eradicate a bunch of people just based on their religious ideology, then we got into this situation. Well, first of all, I want to put Hitler up on the board because we're not, you know... He always let's, just gets let's be real. Yes, let's be real. <laughs> you know what might also fall into the Manifest Destiny, the Bushido toxic masculinity is just straight up binary thinking hmm. right wrong good bad it's just no this is what we do this is how we fight this is how we do this is there a, so there is an argument that the atomic bomb ended up saving lives because we didn't have to invade japan um also the bombings that they were doing were killing more people when they bombed tokyo it killed like that's true. hundreds and hundreds of yeah. thousands of people in your guys's mind and i think we have to transition to picking yes, who's to blame but just a quick um this is so interesting is would there ever be a situation where you think nuclear bombs are justified if you're bombing an army bi- oh, i don't even know but i would say if you're like why are you bomb- bombing hospitals that's you're you're killing civilians. You're killing women and children. You're not kill. You're not. They're not attacking the military. I would say if you're trying to get rid of a superpower, and you need to figure out the most centralized way to do it, you have to knock out the power structure. You don't knock out the civilians. They're innocent bystanders, as far as I'm concerned. You know, do that with Hitler. Why didn't we drop the fucking bomb on Hitler? I guess they'd already... Yeah, they had uh, already reached peace. The yeah, peace they agreement. Had, they were it was already... At, that's right. Okay. Yeah, they were they at couldn't. the peace they accord when he couldn't. found out that they didn't have it. But if you look at the reasons that all of these things have happened, a lot of wars, and especially in World War II, happened because of economic instability, mm-hmm. happened because they didn't have resources, happened because they were a country that could not take care of itself. And so if you... If you don't have to bomb places if you just help... If you help other people or you ask for help or whatever. I mean... Germany, Hitler came to power during a depression. Um, They were coming into power because they needed resources. So so everyone knows what we have up on the board. We have Truman, his advisors, racism, Leslie Groves, Oppenheimer, Hirohito, Potsdam Bluff, Bushido, Men, Ifes Destiny. (laughs) Nice. FDR's Small Dinger. (laughs) That was poetic, Chris. Uh, Hitler and Economic Disparity, uh, we have racism. Good. Okay, now let's get started. <laughs> off the bat, what can we take off? I'm Oppenheimer, gonna, right? I think Oppenheimer and Leslie, because they were following orders. 
True. So if they didn't do it, someone else would have. I mean, the, he was a bad, Leslie Groves was a bad apple. Yeah. And he was definitely not advising Truman in a, in a way that uh, w- deserves the pay that he got. I agree. <laughs> a whole $40,000 a year, <laughs> which is a lot of money Which is, oh my God, a lot. Uh, but I agree. We can take them off. Someone and, would have come right in. Yeah. I mean, a- and with that, I think the uh, Truman's advisors, right? Although you can definitely put blame on them. You know, what, 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 what kind of advice are they giving Truman if he's making these kinds of decisions? If you just read all the bylines on the New York Times, times and you don't read the stories you're not you're not a smart person and that's what advisors are to me so yeah. truman should have gone and done his own research and really you know that's it's true. his responsibility to yeah. know all this stuff in depth yeah okay they're off i think we can also can we take fdr small tinger off yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, now i feel like racism bushido and manifest destiny in my mind are all these invisible forces that are responsible for everything <laughs> yeah so but is it too? They could be more responsible for this. Um, the Potsdam bluff to me was particularly gross. I agree, and and that to me shows that they were they had this big toy that they were dying to show off. We're saying that who is guilty of the bombing? That's who we're that's who we're saying, mm-hmm. or who's to blame for this happening? It getting but to we're not talking situation. about World War Two. We're not no, talking about anything. No. We're talking about specifically these two cities being or being demolished. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, I would take economic disparity off then. Okay. Because that's more of like what what uh, caused the, the war. war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but racism racism is important. Yes. In this one, because again, other other fying the target. It we allows got quiet. no yeah. it, no. It, I'm it allowed because this bomb drop the dropping of these bombs was. Partially to stop the war and also partially a, an experiment and a show of force. Yeah. It was to say, look at what we can do. And who do we care the least about that we can do this to? And how that we're we, not going to get in trouble for? How can right. we do the most damage? Not how can we show them that we've got this powerful tool? How can we do the most damage with it? I think Bushido should be taken off only because... Okay, here's my okay, reason. Me, yeah. Because it's more of a fighting mentality and less of a reason for the... Because if you think about the... Samurai, they've been around for thousands of years. Uh-huh. This is not a new... They're just applying it to a new kind of warfare. Oh, interesting. Because we're going to have to... We're getting ruthless that's now, a, right? That's a, okay. Yeah, it's I tough. Agree. Okay, just so everyone knows, we've got Truman, racism, Hirosh- Hirohito, Potsdam Bluff, and uh, Men Ifest Destiny, and Hitler. I want to take Hirohito and Hitler off. Hirohito because I feel like the government or the ruling body of japan the people making these decisions it wasn't this one guy that's although tough. we could He's end up despicable. laying it at the foot of our one guy truman that's yeah. true yeah that's yeah. hard for me to take i think hirohito's a, a good contestant for the big slap only because it's like if we're using him as the figurehead for japan truman's the figurehead for america yeah. I, I think we got to keep him on for at least right now. I'm not ready to let him go. I think Hitler can once again escape alarmist jail. Somehow we haven't been able to uh, nail, him him, nail him down. Well, there are a few mega tragedies that yeah, we haven't I, uh, I, done I'm yet. Not, I'm not doing the Holocaust. <laughs> That's the one I'm not covering. We, we should just, we'll have to, because we're never going to do the Holocaust. We've got to nab Hitler for something smaller. Mm. to get him oh, in jail oh, like the yeah, big like, mobster like, right? like, Cap- like Capone got nailed for tax evasion <laughs> a manifest destiny god I mean it got them in in the trouble in the first place but again that's more like bigger like it got them in the war and I 
And as much as I love the Potsdam bluff, it was something that was done by Truman and his advisor. He, they're the ones who took the two things off. But it was, it was not done in good faith. No. Can I just add one thing about Truman? Yeah. I wanted to, I looked, just Googled, did Truman regret, ever regret the bomb? Never. Never. Ever regretted it. He never even saw the error of what he had done. Yeah. For me, he's like the number one contender. Because mm. we had the power. We had the decision. We did the wrong thing. With power comes great responsibility, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have the four big ones. Truman, racism, Hirohito, and men, Manifest Destiny. Manifest Destiny has really gotten us in a lot of trouble. If we're going to take off Hirohito, we, it, I don't think you can blame Hirohito or Truman less. I think they go hand in hand. It could be a situation where they they get equal, um, uh, they go to jail uh, and have to share a cell. Ooh, because you know what? I was thinking like at first, oh, but Truman dropped the bomb. But you know, if Hirohito had had a bomb, he would have dropped the bomb on us. Do you think that's true? To Amanda's point, the... Um, the Japanese plan and Hirohito's plan, and I forget the term for this, but there's an actual term which said they wanted to have one decisive battle, which would then make the American public lose their appetite for war and basically force Truman's hand because they knew they had they were outnumbered. They knew they had they didn't have the resource resources or the might of America. So they they there was this term, I forget what it was, but to Amanda's point, I think if they had the bomb, that that's exactly what they're describing. If they had the nuclear bomb, it's that it would be one device, de, de, uh, decisive attack that would force the American public to make Truman stop the war. But the only reason we were in the war in the first place is because of Hitler, who is Hirohito's buddy. I so know. does he deserve double blame for that reason? Like he all he not only did attacked Pearl Harbor, but he also aligned himself with the fucking monster. So already on the wrong side of history. And is Truman just doing something that while is very wrong headed and wasn't cool, was just in funk in wouldn't have even had to make the decision if Hirohito hadn't done all the shit that he did in the first place. I mean this is that, victim blaming, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs> I I feel like racism for me oh. is to, to blame. blame for the bombs is to blame for the bombing. We didn't have bo- the bombs ready to go before the Germans. No. But basically, your point is that if if Germany was the one that we were still doing battle with and we did have the atomic bomb, you're wondering if we would have dropped the atomic bomb on Germany? and They were able to detach themselves in a way where they didn't care and said, it's okay. That we, we, we take this big step, we make this big splash, and it, they're... It's okay to do it on these people. Isn't racism the whole reason we didn't get involved in the first place? Because we truly were like, oh, the Jews, who cares? I don't know. That's a huge question. I I honestly don't know. To me, it was because the war was happening in Europe. We just didn't want our bodies over there. Like, we didn't want American people over there. That was the first consideration. Should we give it the big slap? I'm going to straight up go Truman. Truman. Yeah. He, he not only did he not take the cue from his predecessor who was doing a bang up job let's be honest I think I agree with you I mean it's a really difficult one Hirohito I, deserves blame so we give him but, a big slap but for and not, we let racism off the hook and men again and men men are roaming around <laughs> claiming whatever <laughs> land they want and they're not in the alarmist jail but here we go baby Hirohito you're getting the big slap Truman you're going to the alarmist jail. 
I mean, how do you feel? That's hard to do. Look at all these people who got their were intertwined in make in making this terrible decision. It's a it's a poo poo platter of bad stuff. Aaron, thank you so much for helping us get down to the bottom of this terrible, terrible tragedy. How can people find you? Listen to you? What should we be listening to? Uh, about you. You can find me at the Bradbury Science Museum three times a week. Um, I'm the new docent. Well, but also your podcast, Throwing Shade. Oh, Throwing Shade. Absolutely. And then you can, my handles are Gibblertron. I think on all platforms. Yeah, they're on all platforms. Thank you, Aaron. (laughs) Thanks, y'all. After the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, according to CNN, A 2015 Pew Research Center survey found that only 14% of Japanese thought that the bombing was justified, while 79% said that it wasn't. A Gallup poll conducted immediately after the bombing in 1945 found that 85% of Americans approved of Truman's decision. But the Pew survey last year found that the share of Americans who believed the use of nuclear weapons against Japan was justified had fallen to 56%. No one has dropped an atomic bomb since. Vote for who you think is to blame by going to thealarmistpodcast.com. Follow us at the Alarmist the on Twitter, at the Alarmist Podcast on Instagram, or email us at thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Tune in next week. We'll be talking about the Carnival Cruise Triumph Disaster. Erios. Powered by ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.